beautiful quirky people. We are back with a new episode of The Quirks. You know, we're quirky. They come out at all different times. I was spending time with children the other day and inevitably the Baby Shark song came up. All these kids are really into the song. If you haven't heard it, listen after this podcast, but please don't blame me when this insane song gets stuck in your head. Anyway, I have a big problem with this song and it's really torturing me. I should let it go, but I can't. So at the beginning, you're playing all the sharks, right? All the kids have these hand gestures and moves for the baby shark and the mommy shark and the daddy shark, which is really big. And then the grandma shark, which is a little shark with no teeth, which is kind of assuming all grandmas have no teeth, but that's fine. And the grandpa shark is a big shark with no teeth. Also, we're making a lot of assumptions here about height and gender roles, but anyway, moving on. Then all of a sudden, it's run away and the kids become kids running from the shark and then they're safe at last and they're wiping their brow with their hands when just a second ago they had fins and mouths and I don't understand why baby shark literally jumps the shark. Jumps the shark, if you're not sure of it, is an expression for when things go way off track. I believe it comes from an episode of Happy Days where the Fonz literally jumps over a shark and people were like, oh, this went off the rails. This baby shark song is off the rails. I really need you guys to listen and tell me why the narrative changes mid-song. If someone can explain it to me, I am all ears. Please help me. It's really something I cannot stop thinking about it. Today's guest is my dear friend, Dan Goodsell. I asked him to write his own introduction, and here it is. Dan Goodsell is an artist and neophyte writer. He lives in Los Angeles with his wife and a small dog who likes to ignore him unless food is involved. You can find him on Instagram at shakybacon, where he posts art and anything he finds visually interesting. I would never feel confident enough to throw neophyte in an introduction, but I'm super glad that he did. And just so you know, the dog next door was really wanting to be involved this day, so there's going to be some dog barking noises that I just simply could not edit out. Sorry. Bye. Hi. Are you just not going to talk for the whole time? Are you doing bits? Yes. Are you starting off with a bit? Of course I'm starting with a bit. How can you not start with a bit? But a silent bit is so bad for a podcast. It's the ultimate bit to run on radio or TV or on a podcast. You're right. I'll try not to cut it out. How are you, Dan? I'm good. Thank you for coming. Yeah, Los Angeles is very nice today. Interesting. That's such a way to say it. Yeah. You live in Los Angeles. The weather's nice today. Let's put it that way. Oh, good. We're talking about the weather. Let's talk first about how we met, because I think we have a quirky how we met story. Yes, we do. We were in a class. A class at the Groundlings Theater. And it was a holiday-themed class, remember? Jeff Galante's holiday-themed holiday improv class, yes. <laughs> And I said to the class, does anyone have a Santa suit I can borrow? This is my first memory of you. And you said, I do. But I'm thinking someone in the class that I knew was going to volunteer, maybe. You were, like, one of the only people in the class I had never met before. Oh, you knew a bunch of people in the class already? Yeah, like, I had been in some sort of classes with them before. Oh, okay. But you were like, I do. And I had needed it, I think, like, the next morning or something. I said, well, why don't you come over and grab it? So I went to your house. You were so open and nice, and I grabbed your Santa suit, which was, like, this vintage suit from the 50s, I think. Yes, yes. Classic. I bought it off eBay for, I don't know, 40 bucks or something. Yeah, I would never have lent that to a stranger. You're a mean person. (laughs) I don't think I am. I think I'm a pretty trusting person, but do I seem like somebody who'd be super responsible? Maybe I do. Well, I mean... No, that's not the issue. The issue is, you know, I knew you'd probably come back to the class. 
the way I am, it's like I'm very open with that kind of a thing because it's just a thing. Right. And, and I have a lot of things. I'm a person who collects and buys lots of stuff. And so if for whatever reason that thing were to disappear, it would not ruin my life. That's it's so just nice. another thing in your life. Do you think that you're a borderline hoarder? I'm, I have hoarding tendencies, but I, I like to think that most of the stuff that I have has some level of value so that I can always get out of the stuff that I have. I don't save trash. I don't save okay, go ahead. things. You know, it's like the newspapers do not pile up. Oh, that's an interesting point. I never thought about it like that. So I think I'm, I also love to gather and collect things, as you can see from being in our house. But it's not things that are, yeah, they have a point. Yeah, most people, I mean, and that's what hoarding is about, is it's sort of generally the breakdown of of the sentimental attachment. It's where you become, mm. they often are, are sentimentally or emotionally attached to things that they shouldn't be, like every newspaper that, you know, walks oh. in the door. Someone who's who's a hoarder, when when it's something that they care about, when they have to give it over to someone else, they literally feel the the pain of doing that. And and I, mm. I certainly go through that with some stuff. Not like your with, Santa, not not your Santa, Santa suit. suit. You know, kind of like clothes. You know, it's like I don't have any emotional attachment to my clothes. I just go to Old Navy, buy clothes, and when they're done, I throw them in the trash. I don't go, oh, my God, there goes my T-shirt. You know, who cares? Right. That was an Old Navy plug for anyone listening. Yes. So if an Old Navy wants to sponsor a quirky podcast, <laughs> let us know. Um, I do that every episode, by the way. As soon as someone mentions a brand, I just try to get a plug. Oh, like Nike? What? Okay, wait. So you said your first impression of me was not super positive. Well, it's not that it wasn't super positive. It's just that you, on very first day, Jeff was taking the, the role, and you went and did your whole name bit, which, yeah. you know, you, on the piece of paper, you have seven names, Sue, Kate, blah, 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 so blah. So the only name on there is Susan Kate Heaney. To be really honest, and then, with well, you. okay. So it says, but Susan I do Katie, a bit. Then you do a whole bit where you you could call me Sue or Sue K or <laughs> S K or my granny's names. But or, I'm you named know. after my grandma, Susie and Kitty. But I, that's a terrible name because I'm not an exotic dancer. So <laughs> that was like a check mark in the she's crazy. Wow. Um, call. Yeah. Which of course you dispelled very quickly. So how many check marks do you think that you have for me in the she's crazy column and how many do you have for me in the she's normal column? Because I'd say mine for you are, you know, a little mixed up. I don't know if I have any in the normal column. Oh. Well there's a difference between <laughs> You said I dispelled you know, the crazy. Well, like crazy like you know, stay away from this person, oh. they might try to steal your car. Or, wow. or key your card. Wow. Not. In the Santa suit. In the Santa suit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, because you certainly run across those people in improv slash acting classes. People that you're like, whoa, okay. This is a real wild card. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about, because you, uh, you write comedy, but you are known also as an illustrator. Yes. And you have a comic book. No. I, I have a comic character called Mr. Toast, the world of Mr. Toast. And I, I, it started, I mean, the character I came up with when I was in college. And I, I did puppet shows and other weird things when I was in college. And then at a certain point, I got out of college and worked a job and, you know, and did collecting. And then at a certain point, I wanted to go back into artwork. And Mr. Toast was was one of the things from my earlier period that I 
revitalized and sort of pursued. And I pursued that initially through a webcomic, which then became actual comics, which became toys, buttons, and artwork, which was sold in, in, in alternative galleries. And games. And you eventually, have a game made of your character? I made a, I entered a game contest put on by Hasbro, which a bunch of people entered, and I was one of the five finalists. And then I actually went on to win the contest. And then Hasbro made the game, and you can actually buy the game on Amazon. It's so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I remember in pottery class we had an assignment to design a game. And oh really? It's really gross. I don't, and so unlike me, but I made a giant nose, and I had like I made things to put up the nose. Nice. So that you could, you had to pick. It was called like pick it, and you had to pick things. It's really weird for me. But anyway, um, and I remember the nose exploded in the kiln. Oh. So that game never saw the light of day. The nose did not. <laughs> and it also well. took a few other people's pieces down with it. Oh my! I think God. I was like ten at the time, but oh, it, like okay. it exploded other people's work because yeah, yeah. That's what happens in kilns. <laughs> They're very dangerous places. Hey, if you need another game for another contest, by Hasbro. Shout out to Hasbro. Do you have any quirks as an artist? My one quirk and the thing I'm I'm most proud of as an artist is that I don't care. <laughs> That's it's like amazing. Yes, I have I have great friends who agonize over their artwork. I I spend almost no time agonizing over my artwork. You really don't care. No. It's like, I'll do a drawing, and it's like, if it's not right, I'll just tear it up, throw it in the trash, <gasps> and then I'll just do it again. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, that's the other thing, is like, I'll do drawings, and they'll have mistakes and problems, and I'll be like, meh. See, I love that. Because because you can't get, I mean, you can, you can be hyper, hyper precious, but it's like, like with me, is like, I know the limits of my skills. So it's mm. like... You know, it's not like I'm Van Gogh when I'm, I'm doing stuff where <laughs> okay. where there's an infinite process that goes into it and a pouring out of emotion and all this. Most of my things are almost like snapshots or sketches. So, okay. So they're not, pre- you know, it's like they're not precious. But two questions. Yeah. One, how did you get to that place? Because I feel like all artists are really trying to get to that place. Um, or no, have you always been like I, that? I, I think there's, no, I, I, there's a number of different ways you can talk about this in an art context is there's who is it someone tim biscop i think says that you have a hundred thousand bad drawings in you oh i love that so once you get you know and and that can be applied i think to any any arts and i i when i when i talk to people about things like that i usually just say 10 years you know if you put in 10 years in something so that's like malcolm gladwell Ten thousand hours oh okay have you read that no Oh, it's saying that you need to dedicate 10,000 hours to be good at something. Yeah. So don't feel bad when you're failing. So you, you reach a certain proficiency when you do that, and and hopefully you don't care as much. And by not caring as much, you you, you allow yourself to sort of fail a little. But I have, I have friends that are incredible artists that, you know, just will work and work and work on something. And, you know, they're amazing. I, I, I'm I'm uh-huh. I'm a medium proficiency artist. No. That, yeah, yeah, I am. It's like I cannot paint you the Mona Lisa or whatever. I can paint you a cute little drawing that that's going to get a good laugh out of you and might touch your heart. You know, maybe for the rest of your existence. But it's not going to be this technical thing that I put a hundred hours into. I think that it's also you also know, like you just said before, I'm not going to paint you the Mona Lisa, but you know what you do and you know only you can do it. 
Yes. So what, there's like a Miles Davis quote, I think, and I'm probably wrong, but it says like, it takes you a lifetime to learn to play like yourself. Yes. And that, and I think that's, that's an issue a lot of artists and people get into oh, is yeah. they worry about everybody else. And it's like, if you worry about how good your neighbor is at something, you're never going to, you're, you're going to just torture yourself. I mean, yeah, this is a pep talk we all need, I think, because it's so hard not to do that. And it's so hard to get in where you fit in sort of a thing. Like I remember in college, I was like, I only want to do like dark Tennessee Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. No, I mean, that's but great. like, but I know that, you know, maybe that's not my way in, but I can do that. Yeah. So if there's another way for me to get in, then one day I can do whatever dark, dramatic things I want to do, Sure. you know, but it's like learning where your strength is and learning to like feed off, like what, how did I play as a child with my imagination and with joy and with, you know, so it's like getting to do comedy now is a treat. Yes. And I mean, it's all, you, you're just flexing muscles, Yeah. you know, and I the more that. muscles you flex, the, you know, the more adept you will be at using those muscles for things. One of the reasons that I just adore you so much is you came to the show. Again, we didn't know each other. I think the Santa suit had just been in play. So it was like weird names, week one, Santa suit, week two. Week three, announced to the class, I'm doing a one-woman show tonight if anyone wants to come. Dance, I'll come. I think you were the only one that came. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, you do have a face that you can see from the stage. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, I could... And I was like... See, now that embarrasses me. But, I mean, I do talk to the audience at a few points. And so, you know, but you definitely show everything on your face. But also, then the next day, you said, I have a few thoughts about the show. Can I tell them to you? I said, yeah, let me take you to lunch and you can tell them to me. I think you showed up with four single-spaced... Typewritten or it handwritten pro- on a yellow legal it pad? Might, it was probably, I, was, I was going through a yellow legal pad. Uh, yeah, phase. you were in a phase. I still am, but. Well, I was on the brunt of that phase because it was very specific notes. Like, I don't like that one word you used. A, a word, you know, <laughs> we can go back to, to, to one of our teachers, Jay Lay, and he always said that all you have to do is put one sentence in there and you can justify anything. Hmm, that's true. And well, that's really improv. And, and that's that's the thing I do with TV. I, you know, I go yes. crazy because I'm just like, why don't you just spend <laughs> three seconds writing one line that explains what's going on? Um, anyway, your notes were amazing and very specific. So, why do you have a tendency to hate watch things? Oh, because I want to understand. Okay, so how far will you go? I'll go all the way. No. I want to see what the resolve is, you know, what the buildup is, what this is. Yeah, I went through the entire series of Lost, you know, as we all did. Oh, we did not. Oh, you gave up? Yeah, of course. Because I I was like, I can't do this anymore. And someone had spoiled the ending for me as well. It was after the time, you know, so it was like, I'm out. I know how this ends, so what is this all for? And that's, that's the right way to do it. Thank you. We have limited time on this earth. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes, we do, but that, that doesn't stop you some, stop me sometimes. So like when Clover was first born, I watched a lot of Chopped and nothing against Chopped. I don't know how I feel about Chopped. No, I really don't. I don't know if I love it and I don't know if I'm hate watching it. I can't tell. Because, yeah. I love that that's like the world's most non-narrative. It's just like kind of a banal cooking show. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. In my <laughs> deepest heart, I could get really quiet and try to figure it out, but I don't know. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I'm like, come on with the tamarind or whatever. Like, I'm just so mad at it. Like they're trying to do all the cutting with a, you know, wet spaghetti noodle. 
No, they let them have tools. But that's oh, actually that a really hilarious idea for a cooking show. Oh, Chopped isn't the one. Well, they get a the, basket of ingredients. They get the random ingredients. Yeah, there, so like, there was, wasn't yeah. there one where, like, this little thing came down and then everyone would bid and then they'd take away their utensils? It sounds like Hunger Games. There, there was a cooking show. Really? And every each person had money. They had X amount of money, a thousand dollars. Yeah. And then you bid on like depriving your neighbor of his knife. What? Yeah, no, it was it That's was cruel, terrible. Right. So, what do you cook with? Rocks. Whatever. Oh. Yeah. You know, they use the frying pan to do oh, the smart. to do the chopping. Whatever. People are very resourceful. Yes. Not me. So chop. So, so you hate you sort of hate watch chop. But when Clover was a baby, and so I never watched it before, I was always like, "Ugh, chopped." And then when she was a baby, I couldn't get enough of it. And I don't know if it was because that was my attention span. It was like, and I was feeding her so many times a day. I don't know what it was, but chopped no. was on. I mean, Mark was like, "Are you up to like sixteen? The se- like, are you up to like season sixteen of chopped?" I was like, "I don't know. I might be." That's what it was you just got. always on mute, and I'd just read the captions. So you didn't even listen to John? No, because she was, I didn't <laughs> want her just... to like hear the TV. I wanted just, I needed something to look at to stay awake. And Chopped was my thing of choice. So it's kind of literally the most neutral, <laughs> banal entertainment, which is which is slightly, it's just engaging enough, but, <laughs> but utilizes no part whatsoever of your brain. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. That's what you need when you have a newborn baby, I would say. See, I think that's different than Hate Watch. I think that's... You're that's, right. That's like Watch to Survive. That's Survival. That is Survival watch. Television. Survival What television. did people used to do? Um, Read? Thomas Jefferson like wrote like a thousand books. Mm, while he was breastfeeding his baby? I don't think so. I, I want to talk about how you enter a car. Okay, here we go. Because I've never seen anything quite like it. And I just, you enter a car head first. I go into the car head first. Like almost like you're doing the worm into the car. Yep. Like a reverse under a limbo stick. Yep. Most most people step into a car. Yeah. Or, I, or hip into a car. I think I step and hip. Oh, really? Well, yeah, like, you get your foot in, and then you get your hip in, and then the head's usually the last thing to come in. Heads first. Why? I have no idea. Since just, childhood? I, I assume so. I did not realize that this was a quirk of mine until my wife pointed it out to me. Wow. Yeah. Can you change it? I can get into a car the other way, and occasionally, when I'm not trying to scare the people that I'm with, I will get into a car the oh. normal way. And he put it in quotes. So if you're, like, keeping up appearances, yes. you'll enter the foot first. Way. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to try to enter head first and see what that's like. See, it's Maybe fun. it'll give me a whole new perspective on the yeah. world. Well, it's a safer way. You know, you're going in your head, you're making sure you know what's going on inside the car. Let's unpack that. What could be going on in the car? Hostage situation. <laughs> right? That's a you thing, right? That's a me thing? Yeah. Oh, like because I pretend I'm being held hostage while I'm driving? Yes. Yes, that is a new thing, I so, guess. So, you're looking in there, looking around. Yeah, what's so funny is it never happens before I start driving. It's like when I get bored of driving, which is not a very good thing because I should be focused. But then I invent a kidnapper or I'm the kidnappee. It's probably more fun when I'm the kidnappee. I can imagine. Yeah, it's great. Um, okay, let's also talk about... Well, you have, like, a couple of medical stuff things. Medical stuff sort of an overall category. <laughs> medical stuff. I'm calling it medical stuff because I know one thing is you won't make your own doctor's appointments. Oh, yeah. No. I don't like to do that. Why? <sighs> <laughs> I, I don't want to bother them. 
That's the main. That's hilarious. That's the main sort of thought. <laughs> but they're in business for you. Like, that's how they get business is you're bothering of them. Yeah, I know. So what do you feel like is going to happen when you call? Like, they're going to be put out that you're calling for an appointment? Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, I don't think that. I just, I, I don't want to bother them. So interesting. I just, which is funny because it's like if I'm in a store and yeah. I can't find something, I have no problem asking where it's at. Right. That is so, strange. So in person, it doesn't work in person. Oh, it's more of a is phone it always thing. on the phone? Oh, yeah. It's a phone thing. So it's not even only the doctor. It's also like, say you had to call for an appointment for like a repair for your dishwasher. Would you feel uncomfortable? I'm saying that because we just had to do that this morning. I do not like to call the landlord. Oh. I don't like to call. I, I guess I kind of don't like to call pe- people I don't really know to essentially ask them for favors. I love to do that. You'd love to call and ask people for favors? <laughs> I'm so good at it. Like, I, I will do it for you anytime. Oh, actually, no, I, I don't like to ask people favors. Yeah, I don't mind that. And that's, that is a whole nother thing because I, I don't have trouble doing that. I don't feel bad about it. I don't mind if people ask me favors. I'm also okay to say no if people ask me for favors. I'm not one of those people who's like, I have to say yes. You know, and I don't also mind if people say no to me. Mm. So I don't feel, I, but I'll always ask. And then I have other people in my life who are like, I would never ask for help with that. That would make me so uncomfortable. See, yeah, I think it's about not wanting to ask for favors because, yeah, that's what it's about. But your doctor's making a lot of money. So it's sort of like you're doing them a favor by calling. But that's not the, you know, that's, that may be the rational. Sure. Well, but the quirky (laughs) answer, which is the one that we want, is your own feeling about it. Because that's the way quirks are, is they they control your life Mm. beyond your ability to, your ability to control your life. You don't, the quirks, I think, are the things mm. that you have no ability, you know, no ability to control. So what is this also about? Tell me about when you hear about a medical procedure. If you're explaining something medical to me that's happening to someone, like I then feel it myself. That's okay. I then feel it myself. Right. So and, I was with you and your wife when this was happening. Yeah. And she said something about kidneys and then she touched you. And then I. And you freaked out. I, yeah. Like you, I think your knees almost hit the table. You were yeah. like, don't do that. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and in the case of that stuff, it's, it's not uncontrollable, but whatever that word is. No, it's, it was pretty uncontrollable. Yeah. It's like, I, like, why is it especially about when you're hearing about medical things? Because I, I, I don't know that. Cause you're thinking about your kidneys or something and then she touches you and it feels gross. Yes. Well, it's not gross. It's just invasive. It feels invasive. It's like, I, yeah. And, and the thing about it is it ramps up. So it's like, if it becomes more and more, I become more and more sensitive until at a certain point, I'm just like, ah, you know, I'll just run away because <laughs> I, I can't deal with it. One of my other quirks is that I've had very, 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 very few jobs. Like, I mean, I think I've had like three or four jobs. Like I mean, careers? No, like jobs, like places that I have worked. That's insane. Because I worked... What are they? As a newspaper, the Daily Pilot. Then I worked at um, a museum. I worked at a gallery. Okay. uh, Hanging art and doing that. And then I worked at a a place after that that delivered... That was just... It was like an art warehouse. But that's an insanely small amount of jobs. I had that many jobs before I graduated from college. I mean, yeah. So I worked, I mean, just at a bakery, at a bead store, at a card store. 
I was a personal assistant to an actor, and he would sit in front of me while I'd staple his headshots and resumes together. Literally, he paid me $15 an hour for that, and I was like 21 years old, and that was a sick job. Would he use you as a footstool while you were doing this? <laughs> All right, you know what? He'd put his feet up, and he'd be like, yeah. It felt like that. Like, he liked the power, I think. Like, he would, like, lean back and be watching me staple. Oh, maybe he had a weird thing. I'm just realizing this for the first time. See, I could never do that. I don't know that I could have an assistant. I think it would drive me crazy. See, this is where we're different, because I would love an assistant. I need an assistant. You see, but... See, I need I... an intern. Are there any quirks that we haven't talked about yet? I close my eyes when I brush my teeth. Weird. Why? Just so I can really get in there and make sure I'm getting in all the different places and I can experience all the teeth. I think for you, you have to turn off one sense to experience fully more deeply another. I believe, yeah. I think that's what it is. Like, and I think I'm, uh, maybe I'm not experiencing it as deeply as you are, but I'm definitely a multitasker of senses. I live in the present very hard. That's amazing. Very, 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 very hard. Whoa. That, you're intense about this. Yes. For all your quirks, you really are doing a lot of life things right. Like, you're not worried about what other people think of oh, your art. That's not Why? to say I don't worry about things. No, I know. It's different. I'm saying, okay. <laughs> all right. But you're doing a lot of things right. I obsess and worry about all sorts of things. What's the weirdest thing you obsess and worry about? Mine would probably be rats. Or mice. Like, <laughs> they're... Why are you laughing? <laughs> you worry about mice and rats. Very much so. Why do you worry about I hate them, them so much. They scare me to death. But, but what do you mean by you worry what about What if there's them? one I don't know about? What if one crosses my path? What would I do? What if I see one while I'm sleeping? I actually thought about it when Clover is <laughs> sleeping because you don't make any noise. Once she's asleep, you are really quiet. Like you, the way a parent, new parent walks around is hilarious. You're like doing a comic book tiptoe. You know what I mean? <gasps> and I thought if there was a rat, could I control myself not to scream and wake her? And I'm like, absolutely not. She'd be awake in a second. I'd be screaming, jumping up and down on the bed. See, I think I have no ability to think like that. Like future tripping? At least like with something like... I, my wife does does stuff like that too, where she plays scenarios. You never do that? Head. No. I mean, I don't think I because do. Because you're so present. Yeah. So it's, what are your weird worries? What are my weird... What are my weird worries? Well, they're not weird. They're all like, you know, health issues. Okay. Which we all worry about constantly. Here's a quick fix. Call the doctor. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> oh, it's a callback. It was a callback. Comedy callback. Making fun of someone's quirks and insecurities. But that's kind of what this whole podcast is. <laughs> Wait, one Maybe. thing... <laughs> Not Being fun. cruel to the poor guest no. who's cracked out here. Never. Never. It's all about uh, celebrating our quirks. Okay. You're giving a lot of life lessons on this podcast. Oh, I'm so wise. So wise. You should teach a course. Dan Goodsell's way. Oh, my wife would be so unhappy. Oh, my God. We have to have her on one day with you so she can point out the oh quirks that we God. missed. She'll put me on blast 24-7. <laughs> and that's why I love her is because she does put me on blast. Well, let's start to... Uh, I guess we'll we'll end the podcast on this. Um, thanks, oh. everybody. Are you? Dan- oh, sorry. Taking over hosting yeah, duties sorry, or? Well, yeah. Say goodbye to the people then. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. You are hilarious, and you taught me a lot today. You're welcome. <laughs> and there you have it. He really cracks me up. Okay, we'll be back soon with new episodes, including an episode on the quirks of astrology. Don't forget to follow Dan at Shaky Bacon, and also follow the quirks. At The Quirks Show. As always, art is done by Mark Kelly and music is by Matt Bogdanow. And I am Sue Kate Heaney. Have a great day.